Well, good morning, Edinburgh. How are we? <laughs> it's good to be here with all of you. Um, wanted just to let you know a couple things. Uh, first off, tonight at Weaver Lake, hey, we're going to celebrate 10 baptisms as a church. Yeah. Yeah, so hoping you will be there. Um, we're going to provide like burgers, some food, uh, but we would ask that you bring your own drinks, uh, bring your own chairs, and, and then we would just humbly ask, maybe consider bringing like a side dish or a dessert, something like that, uh, so we can just all feast together. I think it's going to be a fun time. And again, we're going to get to hear 10 stories, 10 people's lives who have been just transformed and and we're going to get to be a part of that and see what God's doing in people's lives. Uh, and then the, the mission team uh, was in Alaska. Uh, and we commissioned them, sent them out. Two, two youth got uh, baptized uh, on that trip. And I believe we have a video so we can watch and check that out. Hi, my name is Audrey and I'm getting baptized today. Hi, I'm Ashley and I'm getting baptized today. We're in Mirror Lake, Alaska. It's gorgeous and it shows God's creation. I'm with my family, basically. This is my church family, and I love them all, and I just want them to know how much they've affected my life. It's a public display of my faith to everyone. What I feel inside, I want people to see, and I want my friends and my, my church family just to know. How awesome is that? Yeah. And so we're going to see 10 more uh, make, that, make that step in their faith journey and get baptized this evening. And hey, maybe some of you are out there and God's prompting you and saying, yeah, it's time. Uh, if that's you and you still feel, uh, if you have a prompting in your heart to, to, to make that commitment to Jesus, uh, just so you know, there is still time for you to, um, to get baptized as well tonight. In fact, Pastor Bob, Pastor Josh are going to be in the back corners of the worship center. If that's something that you would like to do, just uh, reach out to one of them and they will let you know uh, next step so that you can get baptized with those 10 uh, tonight. But hope to see you there, uh, church. Well, hey, uh, we are in a series right now. Uh, called Taking Ground, Pushing Back the Darkness. And we're in this uh, series, really it's a spiritual warfare series. Um, and, and the hope of this series is, is kind of two things. One is that we will learn how to push back the darkness, that we will step into the authority that Jesus has given us through his victory, through his victory, through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We're told that we, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. That means we have authority to start pushing back darkness in our life and, 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 and pushing back those forces that are at work, uh, trying, to, trying to take over our minds, our homes, our community. Uh, we need to step into that authority. But there is a second objective in this series, and, and that is that we would start to break the chains that these forces have, have brought about in so many of our lives. I said last week, your, your pastor still has chains that need to be broken in his, in his life. And so we are on this journey together, and the hope is that we would go through the series and start to see chains broken in our life so that we can step into the freedom Jesus wants for every one of us. We saw last week it is for freedom that Christ 
came. Freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay, he wants us walking in, in, in freedom to experience that abundant life that he has intended for each and every one of us. It's why he was willing to give his life. So I'm hoping that we're going to start to just see more and more chains uh, broken in, in, in our lives and that we are going to step into that freedom and uh, start to experience that, the joy that comes when we, are, when we are walking in the freedom Jesus wants for us. Okay, uh, so just so you know, what's kind of coming up in this series, I'm not going to tell you next week. Next week's going to be kind of a surprise. All right, I'm going to, God's just telling me not to tell you. I think it's because you won't come if I tell you. <laughs> we're just going to put a question mark for next week, okay? But I will tell you on the 22nd, I want you to know you can mark your calendars. Um, parents, we'll send you out a reminder on this too. Uh, we're going we're to talk about sex, um, sex is a, is a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing that God has designed and purposed um, for us as human beings, but uh, when, when not handled correctly, um, it, 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 can, it can bring about um, chains in our life and, and chains that need to be broken. And so we're going to talk about that and see what the scriptures say. So again, parents, we'll send you out a reminder, uh, but that'll be on the 22nd. And then, and then the last uh, week of this series, we're going to talk about generational curses, you know, some of you have maybe even grown up in church your whole life and you've never heard about generational curses. This idea that things from your past, your family's past, affect your life today. Some of you have never thought that. You've never realized that things that your family did, that your ancestors did, are impacting and affecting your life today. That some of the chains in your life are actually not something that you did. It's something that happened in your family's history. This is something the Bible talks about. And teaches. And some of us have chains that need to be broken that we're maybe not even aware of where, where that came from. Okay, this happens in, in, in nations as well. Nations can be impacted by things that happened in our past. And so we have some chains, friends, that need to be broken. We're going to talk about generational curses and the good news that we have through Christ, how we can start breaking those chains in all of our life, again, so that we'll step into that freedom, okay? Uh, but today, I kind of want to just start off with a question for you. Um, have you ever thought that something was true in your life? And I, when I say, I mean, you thought it was true. I mean, you felt it to be true, only to learn that later it wasn't true. Have you ever just thought something is so, this is, this is truth, I feel it? Maybe you even say, I feel it in my bones, only to learn that in the end, it wasn't true. I remember when I was a little boy, I was in the grocery store with my mom, and I uh, kind of wandered off and uh, got to the point where I realized, like, whoa, I need to go find my mom. So I saw my mom from a distance, and I ran up, and I grabbed her hand, and I started walking with my mom when I, I, I kind of realized, wow, my mom doesn't usually wear dresses. <laughs> this woman's wearing a dress, and this hand doesn't feel like my mom's hand. And then it was that weird moment where you look up and you're like, ah, that's not my mother. <laughs> now, in the moment, I thought it was my mom. I was convinced that's my mom from the back. It looked like my mom, so I grabbed my mom's hand only to realize, whoa, that's not my mom. I remember one time we were sitting in the parking lot in front of a store. My mom ran in to grab something, and uh, we had one of those. Do you guys remember those green Astro vans from, like, the 90s? And, like, 80% of the population had one of those. 
What we had when we were sitting outside, and uh, all of a sudden, a woman opens the door and just sits in. She's like, starts looking at her groceries, and, and then she looks up and sees my dad. She's like, ah, this isn't my family. I mean, she thought it was her family. She thought it was truth. She thought that's what was real, only to learn it wasn't. Friends, sometimes in life, we think things are true. We feel things are true. We just assume things are true, only to find out that in the end, it's not true. And here's what we have to understand about our spiritual enemy, the devil. He's a liar. And he wants you to believe things, think things. He wants you to feel things that simply aren't true. In fact, Jesus says this to the Pharisees in John 8. He's talking to the Pharisees here when he says, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. So why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You see, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. It's just natural for him, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. He is the source of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. We can get so wrapped up in believing the lies that the devil tells that when truth stares us in the face, we can't receive it. We reject it because it doesn't feel like the truth. And that's what Jesus is saying. Here I am. I am the truth. But you reject me because you've been deceived. You've been lied to. And so what you feel is true actually keeps you from accepting the truth. Because what you believe and feel to be true isn't true at all. It comes straight from the devil. Friends, the reality is we can be deceived. We can begin to think things are true, believe things that are true that simply aren't true. These lies come from the devil. And they lead to bondage in our lives. That's, the, that's Satan's aim. It's not ultimately just to deceive you. It, it's, to, it's to put you in chains. It's, it's to lead to bondage in your life, to affect your life in a negative way because of some belief that you are holding to, something that you have bought into that you feel to be true. Some of you, it's the fear of man. You, you just are terrified about what people think about you. You're always worried about what people think about you. And you just, you're so afraid what someone might think about you. And you're not free. You're not free to love God the way God should be loved. You're not free to love people the way people should be loved. Why? Because you are in chains. You have this fear of man in you. You are afraid of what people think about you. Last week, just heard a story of someone who during our worship time had this prompting. They were like, okay, God, I do love you. And this prompting was, okay, lift your hand and praise me. And this person said they struggled with it. And they were like, oh, I don't know. What are people going to think? But then, well, they said, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to love you. I'm going to praise you. And they, they raised their hand. Friends, that was a chain broken. Do you realize that? 
That was a chain broken in somebody's life where someone said, God, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to care what my neighbor thinks. I'm not going to care what other people. I'm going to praise you the way your spirit is moving me right now to praise you. Some of us don't have that freedom. Some of us aren't experiencing that freedom. We, we, we are dealing with the fear of man and what others think of us. But I'm telling you, if you were to see God, if you knew that God was in this room right now, I'm telling you, your fear of man would wane and you would say, you are God. I'm going to do what you say. I'm telling you. Every knee would bow. And here's the reality. God is in this room. I'm going to say, we don't believe it. We buy into lies all the time. Some of you, 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 are, you are stooped in depression. You are stooped with fear, maybe even worry and anxiety. I'm not saying some of these things aren't just physiological problems that our body experiences, but sometimes we're stooped in these things because we have bought into the lie that there is no hope for our life. And you don't believe that, 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 that things could get better. You don't believe that God could have anything good left for you here on planet Earth. Maybe you've even bought into, when I get to heaven, that's when I'll, that's when. But then I read Psalm 27, 13, where David's like, here's the one thing I'm confident of. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It means in this life. And so you just bought into the light. No, there's no hope. It's a chain in your life. And it's going to keep you in that place of depression and fear and worry and anxiety if you've bought into that. Others of you, you come in here this morning and you are stooped in just a feeling of shame and unworthiness. This is something we all can struggle with at times, just feeling so ashamed and unworthy. And I'm telling you, it's, it's because we've bought into a lie. It's where the enemy wants you. He wants you feeling ashamed because of something you did or a mistake you made. And he wants you feeling unworthy. Maybe some of you just, I'll, I'll come to church, but I'm just going to be a wallflower. Right? I'm going to sit on the sides. I'm going to sit in the back. Because, you know, there's all these good people, these beautiful people. Maybe I can just come in and make, maybe just could eat some crumbs from the table. Maybe. That's where some of you live. And maybe that's how some of you come in today. And I'm telling you, all of this is rooted, friends, in lies, deceptions. Okay? So today, I want us to look at how do we start to undo those lies and those deceptions in our life. We're going to look at something that the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. Starting in verse 1, we read this. He says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. Paul is being sarcastic here. He's using like their language. Apparently, there were some disruptors at the church of Corinth, and they were they were probably teaching false teachings probably a works-based teaching. They didn't like Paul's theology. They didn't like Paul's teaching that we are saved through Christ alone. 
faith in Christ alone, that they would say, yeah, Jesus, but you need to add to that. You need to do more. If you want God to accept you, to receive you. Paul had this problem everywhere he went. Whatever the problem was, he had some people who were giving him a hard time at the church of Corinth and saying, oh, you know, he's, he, he, he's, he's so bold in his letters when he's trying to correct us. But man, when he shows up, he's so timid. He's not a threat. He says, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Now, this is, this is, these are fighting words. This is Paul saying there's going to be a showdown. Or he's hoping that there's not going to have to be a showdown, but he's threatening the showdown here. And what is he talking about? A fight in the parking lot? He's talking about getting into a fist fight with some of these people? No. Okay? No. He goes on to say, for though we live in the world, we, we do not wage war as the world does. See, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're spiritual weapons that I'm going to be coming with. I, I fight with spiritual weapons is what Paul says. And he goes on to say, on the contrary, these weapons, these spiritual weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we've got to talk about what strongholds are, okay? You know, if you've seen any of those old movies, you know what a stronghold is, right? These are those, like, old fortress that the people would, could, could, could retreat to and hide in, and, 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 and they would have fortified walls with ramparts, and there would be people who could uh, defend off the, 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 the stronghold, the fortress, you know, from the top of these walls. And who, here's the reality. Whoever, whoever has control of that stronghold has control of that region. They control of the land. Because that's where all the supplies and the weaponry was. You, you know, you show up in your tent with some fighting men, you don't stand a chance. The stronghold is what's going to rule the land. But Paul's not talking here about literal strongholds, literal fortresses, what is he talking about? He's talking about lies. Deception that you and I buy into that take root in our lives and take over part of our soul. He goes on in verse 5 to, to make this clear. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, every lie, to make it obedient to Christ. So what is a stronghold? A stronghold is anything that goes against the word of God. It takes root in our life. We begin to believe it, and then it becomes a pattern of thought, a pattern in our life, a way of thinking. Okay, But Paul is saying that we have weapons to start demolishing these strongholds. And Paul's saying, I can show up into a region, and with these weapons, I can start undoing strongholds. So it raises the question, right, what, what, are, what are these weapons? What are these spiritual weapons that Paul's talking about? Well, he's talking about at least two weapons, and, and I got this from Ephesians 6. We, we did a study on the Armor of God series late, earlier in the year, but I want to focus on uh, these, these two weapons that Paul mentions. He tells us about from Ephesians 6. The first weapon is simply this. It's the word of God. 
It's God's truth. That's a weapon in undoing strongholds in our life. Paul makes this clear in verse 17 of Ephesians 6 when he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? It's the Word of God. All the other pieces of armor are defensive in nature, but the sword is our, is our, is our weapon. It's, it's what helps us go on the offense to start pushing back the darkness and undoing strongholds. We can't know what a stronghold is, right? Unless we know what the truth is. Can't know what a lie is if we don't know what God's word says. And so a word of God, the word of God is, is, our, first, is our first weapon. And sadly today, many people, including Christians, including people in the church, they kind of just say, I kind of take the word of God with a grain of salt. I mean, when it's convenient and when it seems like it'll benefit my life and it seems like it has something to good, but if it says anything that goes against culture or anything that's politically incorrect or anything that goes, then I just, I, I just throw it out and I reject it. I mean, I'm, I, I don't mean to be politically incorrect, but I mean, this is, this is how even many Christians today, which is why so many Christians have strongholds in their life. They're not walking in the truth. They don't believe the Bible. They don't believe what the scriptures say. So we just, we, we believe the lies and <laughs> live with the bondage in our life. But friends, the Bible is the word of God. And if we're going to be set free from strongholds, it's going to start by saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm willing to take you at your word. It's the first weapon we have for pushing back the darkness and breaking strongholds. Second weapon we have is prayer. I didn't even talk about this in the Armor of God series, but actually Paul does mention another weapon there. Some have thought about it like the, the sword of, is the word of God and then that there's a spear. Because right after he talks about the word of God, verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So prayer and going into that spiritual realm is how we start to undo those strongholds. So it takes both things. It takes the word of God. It takes truth. But I'm telling you, you are powerless in and of yourself. If you just think, hey, I'm going to read the word of God. It's going to tell me what's true. I'm going to have a bunch of head knowledge. That's not going to do anything for you. It's not until you're going to take that truth and start repenting of the lies that you have believed and ask God to fill you with spiritual knowledge so that it moves from your head to your heart so that you know what you know what you know. That it becomes a part of you. Replacing that stronghold in your life. Friends, to do that, it's going to take prayer. And Paul is saying, I can show up to regions with the word of God preaching this truth, and I can show up with prayer, and when I do that, things start to change. That's what he's telling the church of Corinth. The atmosphere will begin to change, and strongholds will begin to crumble. Because friends, here's the reality. We worship a God who breaks strongholds. He's in the business of breaking strongholds. You remember the story of Jericho? God tells the people of Israel, hey, hey, march around that city. And you, do you know what the, 
why Jericho was such a big deal is because it, it, was what, it was the obstacle that kept Israel from the promised land. It's what stood in the way from the people entering into their destiny. And they had to go through Jericho or they were not going to step into their destiny. They were going to live in the wilderness. But God said, you march around that city. And on the seventh day, you march around it seven times. And then they blew their horns and they shouted. And what happened? Those walls came crashing down. And that stronghold was broken. And the people of Israel marched into their destiny. Some of you have strongholds in your life keeping you from God's purpose and destiny that he has ordained for you. But he's in the business of breaking strongholds. Even when they got into the promised land, were they free from any other strongholds? No, there were more strongholds. And they had another stronghold they had to deal with. But God took care of that stronghold as well. And do you know what we call that city today? Jerusalem became the capital of Israel. So even when we step into our destiny, there's still strongholds that we're going to have to battle and face in order to experience the fullness of God's plan and purpose and the abundant life Jesus talks about. But God is in the business of breaking strongholds. And through the word of God in prayer, we can begin breaking strongholds in our life. And that is my hope for you, that these strongholds that have taken root in our life are going to start to be broken, and you and I are going to be set free in a way we have never been free before. That's my hope for us. Some of us, maybe you've been wrestling with something, he's like, I, I just, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get past this stronghold. That's a stronghold right there. Do we know who our God is? Do we know what our God can do? He can begin to break these strongholds in our life. And so here's what I'm going to do with the rest of the time we have. I'm just going to confess to you three strongholds that your pastor has wrestled with as a Christian. These are strongholds that have had to be broken in my life, and they're strongholds that the devil still tries to come in and set up new strongholds that I have to constantly be fighting and battling, okay? Three strongholds that your pastor battles. Three lies that I've bought into over the years. Here's the first one. I can't be forgiven for what I did. Many of you know my story. I, I come out of, I have a dark past. I have a dark past. And uh, I got hooked on drugs and did a lot of terrible, really bad things. Hurt people. And uh, for about 10 years after I, I started following Jesus, I, I didn't believe I could be forgiven, actually forgiven for what I did. So I had a very workspace mentality, like, God, I'm going to work hard for you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do everything you ask of me because just maybe you'll accept me. Just maybe you'll at least let me eke into heaven. And maybe that's where some of you are at today. God can't forgive me for what I've done, but maybe if I just serve him hard enough and work hard enough, he'll at least let me eke in. That's where I was at. I was sharing my story two weeks ago with somebody, a men's group I'm a part of, and uh, 
man, I was sharing my story, and something came out in that story that I had never, like, thought about. It was just interesting that God revealed that to me, part of the story. And when I was in that dark place, I'm doing drugs, I was, I was dating a girl. Dating is a loose term. I, mean, I just say I was, I was with this girl that her, her boyfriend had been a part of a group of people that had murdered somebody. And uh, he was in prison for that. But his parole was coming up. And I was sharing this story. I never connected those dots. Like, I had never connected the dots. Like, that dude was, and everybody knew he was hot about the fact that I was dating his. And I'm sharing this story going, man, God, what you saved me from. I wasn't too bright. But it was a dark, dark place. This is the stuff I'm talking about. People that I did drugs with died. It was a dark, dark place. And so you can imagine how I had a hard time when I, even when I started following Jesus. Like, God, you can't really forgive me for what I've done. But maybe somehow I can make it up to you and you'll let me at least just eke into heaven. But then we get to the, what does God's word say? Because the world isn't going to tell me this. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. And God could say that because he knew Jesus was coming to be the sacrificial lamb. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then I love Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So here's the truth, friends. The truth is I am completely forgiven in Jesus Christ. Jesus has taken my sins and he has nailed every single one of them to the cross so that my slate, past, present, and even future sins could be cleansed through his sacrifice. And some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to hear that no matter what you've done, no matter what that sin in your life is, it can be nailed to the cross. And you can be forgiven. And here's what I had to come to realize. I had to come to realize that when I was living in that place, this is how sneaky the devil is. That when I was living in that place and I was saying, you can't forgive me, God. Do you realize what I was actually doing? What I was actually doing was saying, Jesus, you're not enough. That's what I was actually saying. Jesus, you're not enough. You're not good enough. You are not sufficient. Do you see how sneaky the devil is? Here, we think we're being humble and saying, there's no way I could be saved. I've done to And No, what you're actually saying is, God, you aren't good enough. But here's what I need you to hear, church. We serve a good God. Amen, and Jesus is sufficient. That's why his life, where he battled the devil and refused to give in to the temptations that Satan put before him matters because he stayed righteous for me and he stayed righteous for you so that he could be the sacrificial lamb to take away your sin so that it can be removed as far as the east is from the west. And so we are going to stop saying, Jesus, you're not enough, and we're going to start saying, Jesus, you are sufficient because you are good. 
This is a chain, a stronghold in some of our lives that needs to be broken. So what we're going to do after these, these strongholds I'm going to bring up, we're going to just stop and, and we're actually going to pray right now together as a church that if that stronghold is in any of our lives, it's going to be broken right now. Okay, so would you just bow your head with me? Most high God, we come before you right now and we repent of believing the lie that we cannot be forgiven for something that we've done. Help us by your spirit to have spiritual knowledge to know what is true, that your word teaches that Jesus is sufficient, that he was the righteous one, and that he takes every sin, even the sins of the world, and nails them to the cross. Help us by your power in your spirit to believe that, undo that stronghold in our life today, and may we begin lifting Jesus up, saying, Jesus, you are more than enough for a sinner like me. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. I hope some strongholds were just broken for some of you. Lie number two, there's no hope for my life, okay? Okay? This is another one of those strongholds. Some of you just say, there's no hope for me. There's no, there's no way anything could get better because of a mistake I've made, something I've done. Uh, I didn't just get caught up in drugs, friends. I also dropped out of high school. And uh, I remember when all of my peers, right, because I dropped out like my sophomore year. Uh, I remember when my peers are doing things like going to prom. I remember when my peers are doing things like going off to universities. You know, I, they took the SATs. I never took the SATs. And I just remember working in this, this grocery store. It was my first job. I'm working in the dairy freezer, the freezer. This is in Dallas, Texas. I don't like the cold. I'm wondering, why did you put me in this cold place, God? I've come to realize why that was. He did have a plan for my life after all that would involve Minnesota. But I remember sitting there every day on my bed just going, is this what my life is? You don't know how dark that place was. But then we get to the scriptures. And this first scripture is one I had to hold on to for dear life because it didn't feel true. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a the future. Then Joel 2, 25 this is the one that got me to start believing. Maybe, maybe God has a plan for me. I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten. Here's what you need to understand about both these scriptures. This was not said to Israel in a time of obedience. This was said to Israel in a time of great failure. They had been carried off into captivity. Their entire nation had been destroyed. And God shows up and says, if you will follow me, listen, I have a good plan for you. I'm going to bring you out of this. And not only am I going to bring you out of this, everything you've lost, I'm going to restore it to you. Amen, what kind of good God do we worship? Amen, I didn't feel it, but I said, I got to hold on to this truth. And let me just tell you, church, everything those scriptures said has been true, more than true for my life. But what would have happened if I just sat there in the lie and just sat there in the darkness? So here's the truth. God has good things in store for me. Truth is, God has good things in store for you. 
Our problem is we keep telling God what we want to do and our plans and how we want to do it. What if you were to stop and say, God, what is your plan for my life? That might be what unlocks for some of you stepping into your destiny and the purpose. Stop telling God what you want to do and start asking God what is it he wants you to do. I'm telling you he's good and he will lead you well. And I don't care if you're 10 years old in here or 20 years old. Listen, God has a good plan for your life. He has more for you to do here on earth. Good things to step into. I don't care if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your teens, your 40s. God has a good plan for you. Plans to prosper you and not do you harm, to give you hope in the future. I don't care if you are in your 60s, your 70s, your 80s. God has a good plan for you. I don't care if you're in your 90s. God still has something good for you to do on earth. Now, if you're in your hundreds, No, even then, God's not done with you until the day you step into eternity. Confident of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do we believe it, church? So let's just stop right now. Oh, most high God, we repent of believing in the lie that you don't have good things stored up for us here on earth. Lord, we repent of that stronghold that's taken root in our life. And I'm gonna pray right now in the name of Jesus that those strongholds would be broken and undone. God, by your spirit, help us to believe what your word says and to hold on to your promises. Even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel it, we're gonna believe because we know you and you are a good God who never lets us down. By your spirit, may you give us faith to believe the hope you have for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope some strongholds were just broken there. Third and last, and we'll be done here. Lie. Stronghold in my life that I still battle today. God doesn't really love me. Now, that might sound weird to you because you're like, you just talked about God forgiving you. You just talked about God giving you hope in a future. I've learned that you can still believe God's forgiven you. You can still believe he has good plans for you. But you can think this. You're just doing it, God, reluctantly. Because your word says you have to do it. And we buy into this lie that God doesn't really love us. What does God's word says? Came across this verse lately, uh, or not too long ago. Man, this is, wow, this is powerful. Zephaniah 3.17, listen to this. The Lord your God is among you. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do you realize that God is singing over you right now? He's rejoicing over you right now. <laughs> Whoa. See, some of you have bought into the lie, and it feels right. It feels real. God couldn't love someone like me. And you're, you're living in shame and you're living in a, this sense of unworthiness. But here's the truth. God loves me more than I realize. That's the truth, friends. God loves me more than I realize. And maybe you're struggling here today to feel like you are accepted by God and invited into the family of God. But I want to end today by just reading this story comes from Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. And I just want you to hear this story. Let this story just wash over you. Jesus continued, 
There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild, idea there, sinful living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Friends, this is his shame. This is a Jewish man feeding pigs, longing to eat what the pigs eat. This is this man's shame. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. See, I don't belong in your, your family any longer, God. I, I am not to be called a son or a daughter. So he got up and he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's where some of you are at right now. I'm no longer to be called a child of yours, God. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost. Now he is found. So they began to celebrate. <laughs> this father, this God, this most high God that we worship and sing to, He's a God who says, I'm willing to lift my robes. That's in the ancient world. They'd have to lift their robes. This was undignified for any Jewish man to do this. He would, he would lift his robes and run to us and wrap his arms around us and invite us in to his family to say, you are my son. You are my daughter. Now accept it. And that's what some of you need to hear today. You've bought into the lie of the enemy. You don't belong in the family of God. You don't belong here in this church. Maybe you'll sit in the back. Maybe you'll sit on the sides. Maybe you'll be a wallflower, but I could never be one of those people. Listen to me. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are one of us. You have been baptized into the family of God. That's who you are. And you have a right at the table just as much as I do. It's time you stepped into who God says you are. A son, a daughter of the most high God with a God who sings over you. Whether you feel it today or not is irrelevant. He's singing over you. Well, maybe there's a stronghold in your life that needs to be broken so you can step into who you already are. And so we're going to pray one more time. 
I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads. Maybe you're out there today and you're saying, I need to come into this family. I need to be a part of the family of God. I need to receive what Jesus has done for me. I need hope for my life. If that's you, all our heads are bowed. I'm just going to ask, would you just raise your hand? Maybe someone's out there today. Just raise your hand. Yeah, I see you. I see you, brother. I see you. Say, I need to come into this family. I see you back there. I see you. I see you. Just say, I, 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 I. <laughs> if God's right now prompting you, yes, it's time to come into the family. It's time to take your rightful place at the table, knowing who you are. If that's you, I'm giving you one last chance. Raise your hand. Yeah. I see you back there. See you in that row. All right. We're going to pray this together, okay? Just pray this in your heart. You're just going to say, Most High God, I repent of not knowing who you say I am. I repent of not trusting in your word. I repent of not accepting what Jesus Christ has done for my life. I repent of walking in the shame. I repent of feeling so unworthy. It's a lie that comes from hell, and I recognize that today. And so now, God, by your spirit, pour your truth into my heart that I can know what I need to know, what I need to know, that I am forgiven, that you do have a good plan for my life, and that I am a child that belongs to you, the most high God who sits in the third heavens. May you help me to walk in that starting today, and we're going to all pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's you. I just want you to know you're loved. It's time to start walking into it. None of this is going to change anything if you don't start believing and walking into it. Let's break those strongholds. One of the ways we can do that, church, is by worshiping this great God together. Can we worship a little bit this morning? Anybody ready to worship a little bit this morning? I'm ready to worship a little bit this morning. And welcome those of you who said yes to Jesus this morning. You are a part of this family. Let's stand up and worship.